Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you tools to win, like MyBookie. At MyBookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use MyBookie for daily odds boosts, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Every single sack, fumble, and touchdown is another chance to hit payday. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag and on your first deposit, use promo code TSUS to grab a deposit match up to $1,000. Try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds. Plus 38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. story he takes the time to chat with us chris what's going on my friend how are you hey i'm good chris man hard to believe that we're uh, at the finish line here for uh, your program and, and my program uh, the season being over with as you, you talked about never would have imagined uh, both of these teams missing ball eligibility this year yeah chris i want to get in that in a second i just want to tell you kind of a funny story so i'm sitting there watching the games this weekend and i'm obviously like in the studio rocking whatever and i think it's I think it's halftime of maybe it was Tennessee Vandy or halftime of one of the games. And uh, my girlfriend comes up and she's watching the halftime and she's like, wait, isn't that she didn't even realize Chris Doring on SEC now. So that was kind of a funny. I'm like, this has been going on all season. I don't know how you're just realizing this. She's not a big sports person. We're not going to hold. Right, we'll give her a pass. That, that was a cool moment. I was like, yeah, that's that's there he is. Yeah. That's Chris. Doring. She's like, he's that's famous. Cool. I was like, yeah, something like that. So no, anyways, man, I appreciate you taking the time. You do a fantastic yeah. job. Obviously, you mentioned. Florida and South Carolina. Um, we'll start there for both the Gamecocks and the Gators. Let's focus on Florida first. Your team, FSU, comes in, gets the win. It was the battle of the backup quarterbacks. You know, a valiant effort by Florida, obviously, but yeah. the reality is this. You finished 5-7 and seven in year two of Billy Napier. What did you see in that football game? You know, Florida with some of those some of those self-inflicted wounds down the stretch that I think we saw the Gators make at times this season, but, and then Florida state, I mean, what a great, you got to give them a lot of credit with the backup yeah. quarterback, the valiant effort to stay undefeated. What did you see in that game? And what's the feeling now around Gainesville as Billy Napier goes into a really important off season? Yeah, it, it, you make a good point. It's kind of a microcosm of the whole season, really where you see moments of, of what could be some really good potential some fun moments. The swamp was buzzing like it used to back in the day when I was there. And uh, you, you dominate the first quarter. Florida has 103 yards to Florida State's negative seven. And then all of a sudden, the spitting penalty kind of ch- changes the whole momentum of that ball game. Uh, Florida State had had three of their, their first five possessions, uh, three and outs that ended in negative yardage. And uh, you, you give them a 15-yard penalty after you have them in a second 12 situation. They go on a 10-play, 90-yard drive to score, and it feels much different at 12-7 than it did 12-0. Uh, obviously, you, you missed two field goals in that ball game. Not only the spitting penalty, but a, a, a targeting penalty, uh, an ill-timed holding call right before half pushes you back, and you miss the field goal. So it really was a lot of what we've seen is like some of some the, the, the undisciplined, untimely penalties costing Florida. Um, the offensive line was abysmal watching the, uh, the game plan for, for Max Brown, uh, one of the backup quarterbacks that you mentioned starting in this game. Um, he, he shouldn't be throwing from the pocket anyway, but to have him drop back at the end, it felt like a little panic set in. 
And, um, you know, they, they just couldn't block Florida State. They Credit Florida State, as you said. They had a great plan, I think, uh, in attacking Florida. Uh, they did hit some big plays uh, early on with some, some runs that were able to gash the defense. But uh, they kept doing what they did. That's running the football and, and um, you know, found a way to win in the swamp, even though not a very good Florida team. It's always a tough place to play. And, and uh, for them to survive without Jordan Travis is a, a compliment. And uh, now they turn their attention to Louisville heading to Charlotte this week. Now, Chris, to Columbia we go. South Carolina falls to Clemson 16-7. to Ends their season also at 5-7. and Your thoughts on this ball game? Again, Chris, this was the SEC Network primetime game. Yeah. Uh, much lower scoring than I think a lot of us expected. I mean, a defensive slugfest. Clemson doesn't even score an offensive touchdown, yet they win the football game. Obviously, the tone set really early on with the backwards pass, fumble, Clemson scoop and score. You know, it really felt like to me, Chris, and I talked about it a lot last week, that I felt like the thing that had held South Carolina back, what had been the Achilles heel for the Gamecocks since literally game one against North Carolina, the offensive line was going to show itself yet again. And that's exactly what I feel like happened, Chris. Like this team was what it was from week one all the way until the end of the season. What did you see from that game against Clemson? And would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I felt like they, they fought really hard, and that's kind of what we've seen for the entirety of the season. I mean, they I don't know that anybody nationally has been decimated by injuries more than what the South Carolina team has. Uh, keep rolling guys out there. Keep trying to put up the good fight. Uh, it was a, a valiant effort to to win You know, the, the previous three ball games to put themselves in position to even get to bowl eligibility. You got the game at, at home. It's a great environment against your arch rival. And uh, unfortunately, you just run out of bullets. And it felt to me like the defense, like like the week before, did everything they could possibly do to keep Clemson within arm's reach to just hope that you could maybe put one drive together like they did in the first half to be able to, to, to win that ball game. Uh, but I, I think they just ran out of gas. Uh, physically, emotionally, talent-wise, just kind of ran out of gas and, and couldn't do what they needed to do. But there's a lot of really bright spots. I think a lot of young guys getting a chance to play meaningful snaps this year. So I, I think, you know, if, if Coach Beamer can keep together the roster and not have the kind of mass exodus that he had last year, if they can, you know, add another uh, signing class that they like they did last year, I, I really feel like the the, the, the team, the program will, will take a big step forward next year. And I, honestly, you know, I, I thought, South Carolina and Arkansas may have been victims of their early success for both of those coaches, maybe winning too much too soon. This regulates things a little bit. I know fans don't like to hear that. They certainly don't like the cries for patience, but I do think things uh, are, are, are headed to a much better future there in Columbia. To the Plains, Chris, have you ever seen a finish like that? Fourth and what was it, 31, and Jalen Milrow throws up a prayer I, I was sitting there thinking, hey, this is going to clear up the college ball playoff chatter, you know, a lot when, when Alabama falls to Auburn. I thought no chance, no way they convert. And, I mean, that – especially if Bama somehow, some way, if they can beat Georgia, if they can get in the playoff and, and Lord knows win a national title, that Iron Bowl, I mean, that's going to go down as – maybe not better than the kick six, but one of the best we've ever seen. Your thoughts on the resiliency by Alabama and yeah. then – for Auburn, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways, right? Like, man, that's a great sign for Hugh Freeze's program. I think they're going to be a problem in a couple of years, right? I, I think that program is 
headed in the right direction, but th- that's one of those losses, Chris. That that is that's really tough to get over. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, I I, I think you, you got to look at Auburn last year. They missed bowl eligibility. The program was in complete disarray. The fan base seemed very fractured. Hugh Freeze has come in and give you giving you hope. I mean, you get to bowl eligibility with six wins. Sure, it didn't finish the way you wanted to, losing to New Mexico State and losing a heartbreaker at home to Alabama. But you got a tremendous recruiting class put together right now. You have you you hired Hugh Freeze to do a couple things, bring excitement to the program, which he certainly has, and to beat Alabama, which he was on the cusp of doing. The difference is right now, Auburn's at a position where they hope to win when they get into late game situations. And Alabama knows that they're going to win. This was not a, a great performance from Alabama. It's not a great season for Alabama. But I thought that game was a, a microcosm of Alabama's season, where they've they've had you know moments of looking really flawed. They've 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 created issues uh, of their own making that that potentially put them in positions to lose. You know the the terrible peelback block after you get you know down inside the the ten yard line. They just had every opportunity. To kind of seize that game, and and they, they they shot themselves in the foot. I was shocked to see that Auburn was able to run the ball for 244 yards in that ball game after they struggled to run it against New Mexico State the previous week. But uh, Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery do a great job in the run game, creating some of those those gap scheme runs that allow you to get some some uh, even numbers on the front side. So I, I give them credit for manufacturing offense where you know they weren't able to throw the ball at all. But um, at, at the end of the day. And the, uh, the, the, the failure on fourth down, at fourth and 31, any part of the field, you got to get off the field. I hated the defensive call by Ron Roberts, only, you know, rushing two. Those guys were there just to, to try to contain. Like, the, the, the thing I would want more than anything is Jalen Milrow to try to scramble from the 31-yard line as opposed to stand there for six and a half, seven seconds and find somebody uh, that, that gets open. I know that's a, a play call that uh, Coach Roberts would like to have back. But um, it, it is funny, though, as you mentioned, it not going to live up to kick six, probably not going to live up to the prayer of Jordan Hare either. But to think about three of those iconic moments occurring in that same stadium and uh, two of them happening against Alabama, uh, really wild to think about uh, the, some of the endings that we've seen there in Jordan Hare. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris, we saw a pair of tight games both with Alabama and Georgia this past weekend on Rivalry Weekend. Obviously, we saw a ton of crazy results as well. 
Um, how difficult is it, would you say, to to you know, and both coming against unranked opponents, and you get yourself up with these rivalry games. Obviously, the Iron Bowl a little bit different than Georgia, Georgia Tech, but both significant in their own respects. Obviously, is there a certain difficulty to getting up for those games or getting ready for those games when you've got the SEC title game looming? That is like that's that's what everybody wants to yeah. talk about. Everybody's thinking about. It's almost like you're you're somewhat for, especially from the Georgia side, you're like forcing the conversation of the rivalry, like. Is it tough? Can you speak to as a player? Is it difficult? I know for you guys, maybe it wasn't as tough because FSU, it was always you guys were like top five teams. And yeah. But I have to imagine there's a sense of like, it's a challenge for Kirby Smart and Nick Saban to get their teams locked in for those games because we saw Georgia beat Georgia Tech by eight points. And I don't think anybody's sitting there saying that Georgia's only eight points better than Georgia Tech. So it, speak it, to that, the challenge that is. It, it's, a great, it's a great point. And even though we did play Florida State every year before we went to the SEC championship game, it, it was very difficult, and, and Coach Spurrier used to talk about it all the time, that the more important game was winning the SEC championship game than it was beating Florida State. And that, you know, during my my time there, we lost uh, we, we lost three and um, tied one, and one of those we had a, uh, a rematch in the Sugar Bowl before my senior year when we finally won at home. And I think Coach Spurrier realized it was equally as important to go beat your in-state rival, what that did in terms of, of the hierarchy in college football, but also with uh, the recruiting implications too. So um, I, I think it's really challenging having to play your, your big rival and then having to play the, the SEC championship game the very next week. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you watched the, the, uh, the Georgia, Georgia tech game in its entirety, but at the beginning of the ball game, they showed, you know, inactives like inactives are what, are labeled in the NFL. Like they, they mm -hmm. had no, no Brock Bowers, no uh, Lab McConkie, no Ra Ra Thomas amongst others. And, you know, I don't know how available those guys were, what the decision making, what the decision making process was for uh, deciding not to play them, but it was almost felt like, Hey, we don't need these guys. Let's get them healthy for the next week. And that, that that's a, an interesting message to send to your team as well. Uh, it really felt like a survive and advance game. They did that. It was an eight-point ball game late. Georgia played around a little bit too much defensively, gave up some big plays that was out of character. But um, for them to to move on, get a, a week to to rest up those players, and now you know seemingly being more healthy heading into to Atlanta, uh, I think mission was accomplished. The Spurs Up Show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app 
or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. GameTime is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P or S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Chris, we'll stick with that. It is SEC Championship Week, Alabama and Georgia Simply put, man, what you're most excited to see? Obviously, we sit here on this Monday. This game will be broken down all week long. You guys will do that. Everyone will do that. But what chance do you give Alabama? You know, obviously, they've come a long way since early in the season. We all know what's on the line here. Georgia's the back-to-back national champions. But anytime Georgia and Alabama do do battle in Atlanta, especially, it's a lot of fun. Um, which side are you leaning? Matchups you're most excited to watch? Like, what are yeah. you most looking forward to in this ballgame? Well, you know, we think about Atlanta being almost like a home game for Georgia, but it really is something that someplace that Alabama's really comfortable as well. Nick Saban's 10 and 1 there in the city of Atlanta as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide has never lost in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think in the past he he kind of relishes the opportunity to be the underdog and right now Georgia I think a 5 5 and a half point favorite to to win the ball game. So a great opportunity to use the disrespect card again and, and being overlooked and create that chip on the shoulder. But um, both of these teams are, are playing with a lot of confidence. It's been fun to watch the progression of, of, of Alabama and specifically Jalen Milrow. Uh, I didn't necessarily love the, the post-game sound of him calling for himself to win the Heisman, but <laughs> I understand in the moment there's some excitement that takes place with a win like that. But uh, I, I think the thing for me is just watching how – Georgia chooses to defend Jalen Milrow. He's so dangerous with his legs. And I, I don't think – I was trying to think about this, Chris, last night. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember um, Georgia playing a, a mobile quarterback this year where you have to kind of decide how you're going to rush him. You, you know, a lot of teams on third down decide to use the spy. Uh, but the spy sometimes, you know, takes a, a guy out of coverage, takes a guy out of, of rushing. And so it'll be interesting to see – how Kirby goes about and Dan Lanning go about attacking Alabama's offense. Cause some of the biggest plays that Alabama makes this season, some of the biggest ones they made last week were third down scrambles where you get an opportunity to uh, have defenders with their back turned and break contain and, and run for long distances. So um, I think that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to, but I think it's going to be a, a tremendous ball game. There haven't been many, uh, SEC championship games where we've gotten two eight no teams within the league, and that's what we get this year. It just shows that uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same with Alabama and Georgia's dominance in the SEC. Yeah, Chris, you're speaking to Jalen Milrow and and, and their what they present, what they pose offensively. I, I feel like we're headed towards a higher scoring SEC title game. I mean, nobody's been able to stop Carson Beck, the Mike Bobo offense, especially if they get Lad McConkey back. 
We all know about Brock Bowers, Oscar Dove at the tight end spot. And then Alabama, again, like you mentioned, with the scrambling ability of Jalen Miller. And I feel like he's really coming to his own. And Tommy Reese and, and company, they've really – the offensive identity sort of evolved the season's gone. I, I feel like it's going to be a shootout, personally, at this point. Um, now, again, you got two great defenses, two great – What's the total? Seven. Have you seen the total on it yet? I think it's 54 and a half. So, Let's pump the over then, right? We yeah, I'd, I'd probably go over there. That feels to me – like an over. I, I think it's going to be like a 35-30 type of game. You know, yeah. and again, this is way too early. I haven't, like, made a pick or anything, but it just feels that way. The offenses have been so good all year. But granted, what's interesting, I think, Chris, is neither team has played a defense like the one each of them are going to face. So it's going to be great on great Saturday and can't wait to watch it. Let's get into two new additions, Chris, in the SEC from the head coaching standpoint. We'll start on the Texas A&M side. The Aggies have officially hired Mike Elko, coming over from Duke as their next head coach. Of course, he spent time in College Station a couple years ago as their defensive coordinator. Um, it was kind of treading interesting waters to get to this point with the whole Mark Stoops rumors, and it sounded like that he had the job. Maybe there was some pushback internally from the fan base, the boosters, what have you. You know, it started on Saturday, really, Chris. We heard that this guy's a candidate, that guy's a candidate. I thought they were going to say you were going to be a candidate. Everybody was a candidate, it seemed like, with the job. But you come back to Mike Elko, which I feel like was the hire that made a lot of sense. Maybe it wasn't the splash that Lanning or Ryan Day or some others would have been. But your thoughts on the hiring? I, I think A&M did good with this one, and I think he brings what A&M needs to their program. Your overall thoughts? Yeah, on the yeah I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I think the, the Mark Stoops hire would have made a lot of sense. I, I know the A&M fans weren't necessarily the most smoked up about it, but you know, I think Coach Stoops is a tremendous coach that uh, has great experience. Obviously, the, the second longest tenured coach in the SEC um, ha may have not been given all of the, the resources that he needs to take Kentucky to the next level. You had those opportunities at, at, at Texas A&M. I don't know how serious uh, the mutual conversations were uh, on both sides between A&M and Coach Stoops, but at the end of the day, it worked out the way that it was supposed to. Coach Stoops staying in, in, in Lexington, a place I think that that really appreciates him, and he's done tremendous uh, things for. I, I hope that they're able to pump some more of those resources in to let them have more of the chance to compete at the national level. Um, but I also think that that having somebody that understands the unique nature of, of, of the College Station area, the unique nature of coaching and recruiting in the state of Texas, the unique nature of, of Texas A&M and its culture, uh, it needed to have somebody that was prepared for that. And, and Mike Elko is somebody that is certainly well prepared for that after having, you know, coached there and really turning that, that defense that was a bit of a joke prior to him getting the job into one of the most uh, impressive defenses around. And uh, they've really uh, done a nice job. The fact that you can go to a place like Duke and turn them into a, not only a competitive team, but a team that really, um, is way more physical than we typically see from from Duke defenses. Uh, it, it speaks to the job that Mike Elko has done and, and the, the the things that he emphasizes as a, a coach. So I, I think um, you, you made a great hire there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know who he decides to go with as his offense coordinator. That's going to be a key move, and it's going to be something that um, – you know, will we'll certainly impact Connor Wegman and his future. Because I, I think if Connor Wegman stays healthy, healthy uh, A&M probably has a much different season than what we ended up uh, seeing there from them this year. 
Chris, before we get into the Jeff Levy hire, you know, again, there was a lot of pushback, if you will, from A&M folks when those Stoops rumors started. What are your thoughts on, I mean, it happens everywhere, but it's kind of a, it just like the pushback from the boosters, if you will, to influence hiring to that degree. I mean, I guess you can't ask your boosters to pay the buyout of a man and then say, well, you have no input on the, on the new guy, but it's, but it's a, it's a very interesting thing because I mean, you think about it. And, and I just call it for what it is. Boosters are fans with influence. That's it. They're fans with deep pockets, right? Let's call that for what that is. So, I mean, how do you feel about boosters having – I mean, it happens at Florida. It happens at A&M. It happens literally everywhere. Your thoughts on how involved they should be. Does it bother you or make you feel kind of yeah. squeamish when you see, like, you're making decisions based off of that type of pushback? Or It definitely bothers me. I mean, you know, look at look at my alma mater. The Jaden Rashada debacle last year was largely because of a, an over-involved, you know, the booster that decided he wanted to, you know, ha- have a, uh, a big you-know-what contest with another booster at another school. So it's like these guys, it, it, you have to be careful what you, you wish for as an administrator because the more you go to these boosters, which they go to them over – over again ask him for oh i think we just lost chris Doring. we're gonna try to get him back in here here we I, go all right cool we got you back I, I i really believe that um this is uh, the athletic director how much power does he even have now or, or he or she have you, you have to run stuff by the board of trustees you have to run it by the, the president you now all these big boosters are involved like being an athletic director at a power five school, being an athletic director at an SEC school certainly is a, uh, it, it's, it's a more of a, a lose win proposition because more times than not, you're not going to hire the right guy. You have to hire the right guy for your head football coach. You have to hire the right guy for head basketball coach. Who cares about what the rest of the athletic department's doing? If you're not doing well there, unfortunately, and, um, you know, I, I don't think some of the best administrators get the credit for what look, look at what you know, Hunter Juracek's done at, at, at Arkansas. They are good in just about every single sport. But the, the focus on on their athletic department is, is the decision to, to keep Sam Pittman. So I just I don't think it's a, a, a job that uh, I would want to have. And, and I, I, I certainly respect those guys for what they do. But dealing with boosters, dealing with over involved rich fans. That, that is not a job I want. So, Chris, sticking in the SEC West, Mississippi State has their new head cut coach, Jeff Levy, who has had a cup of coffee in the SEC, spent time at Ole Miss, obviously comes from Oklahoma, respected as an offensive mind at the collegiate level. Your thoughts on this hiring, his first ever head coaching job coming in the SEC? I love it. I love it. I love it for a couple different reasons. One, he was in the state of Mississippi, and just like I talked about needing to understand the dynamics in Texas, you need to understand – uh, Mississippi recruiting. I mean, that that's a, uh, I don't know if it's still true, but a couple of years ago, it was the highest uh, state per capita of players in the NFL. So there is, it's a little more of a shallow pool, but there's a lot of uh, talent there. Um, obviously you're trying to catch up with, with Ole Miss and, and uh, Jeff Levy understands the nuances of what's gone on there and building that program in Oxford. Um, and I think you have to do things a little differently, right? I've, I've talked about it before. You, you can't, Go out and do the same thing that Alabama and LSU and, and Georgia do and, and think you're going to beat them with less talented players, which is always going to be the case at a place like Mississippi State compared to those programs. So you do things a little differently with this offense. 
Uh, I'm excited about it. And, and most importantly, I think whether you win or lose, it's going to be entertaining brand of football. And he kind of mentioned that uh, in his press conference that we're going to, we're going to have, you're going to be proud of the product that you watch when you come to Davis Wade stadiums on Saturday in the fall. Chris Doring of SEC Network does a fantastic job. Chris, one last thing, and I'll get you out of here. Obviously, the transfer portal opens up next Monday, December the 4th, and all madness, all hell will break loose for sure. For schools like South Carolina, like a Florida, you know, th this is an important time. I mean, it's just imperative for these coaches like Billy Napier and Shane yeah. Beamer, too. That's how you're going to build and turn things around quickly because, as you mentioned, you know, fan bases don't have patience. And, and obviously, I see that firsthand in Columbia with, you know, Gamecock fans after year three. I mean, I think Shane Beamer, let's call it for what it is, had a year three that if Billy Napier has that same year, he's going to be fired next year. I, I think that's that goes without saying. So, you know, your thoughts on just the Wild West, that the transfer portal is, the challenge it's presented to coaches, having to re-recruit their rosters, go out yeah. in the portal, get new talent. And again, you're not getting a whole lot of grace from fans in regards to, hey, please be patient with us, be understanding. It's it's yeah. win and win now in the SEC. Well, I told you I didn't want to be an athletic director at a Power 5 school. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be a head coach at a, an SEC school either because of all of those things you mentioned. Uh, the, the transfer portal, it's a double-edged sword, right? You, South Carolina fans experience all of those players that, that went out. It was tough watching Jaheim Bell this season down at Florida State or Marshawn uh, Lloyd out there at, uh, at, in, at USC, like it's a um, it's it's a, uh, a, a an opportunity to overhaul your roster. I think both Florida and South Carolina have to address the lines of scrimmage. Um, clearly, it, it, that's the differentiating factor when you're talking about the best teams in the country is line of scrimmage play the best teams in this conference, and uh, Florida and South Carolina aren't where they need to be, but that'll come through. You know, hopefully adding the right pieces there and then adding the right pieces on December 20th when National Signing Day comes along. Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Really appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to a great SEC championship game this weekend and breaking it down with you one week from today, my friend. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, bud. See you, bud. Yeah, man. Take care.